0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Franchise Interviews From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia You're listening to Franchise Interviews Franchise Interviews
0: Blog Talk Radio
4: Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years, we've been asking the Franchipreneurs a one one I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with the founder of Romp and Roll, Michael Barnett. And Romp and Roll is a growing kids franchise, and a growing kids franchise featuring classes, camps, and birthday parties for children five years and younger. We're going to talk to Michael about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around, because we have a great show.
1: The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat franchise opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Franchise Teacher.
2: Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's
0: FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise
5: Interviews, LLC,
4: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking the entrepreneurs to own one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with the founder of Romp and Roll, Michael Barnett. And Romp and Roll is a growing kids' franchise, and a growing kids' franchise featuring classes, camps, and birthday parties for children five years and younger. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, Marty. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. It's great to have you on the show. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from this morning?
6: I am calling from sunny Richmond, Virginia. Finally, the rain has stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Same here. We've been getting hit up in Pennsylvania. It seems like every day, Michael. So it's
4: it's really
2: great to have you <laughs> on this show.
4: Uh, you know, it, it's a me, pleasure Rumpet to be Roll here, has, yeah, Thank you. and
6: Roll has an interesting history. I think you, you go all the way back to 2004, don't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. We uh, – we started the company back in 2004. Um I, at the time uh, prior to starting Rump and Roll, I was actually uh, had a career in marketing. I was a partner at a marketing agency, but um my oh, wow. my wife Babs was home with our two young children and uh, right. taking them to various places uh for different types of enrichment classes and I'd come home from work and she'd tell me about her day and yeah. tell me about the places that she went to and she'd and she'd say, you know, it was we had a good time. It was it was nice, but you know, if I had a business like that, I think I would do, uh, you know, this, this, and this. And over a period of time, I said to her, you know, if, if, if we went and did ourselves everything that you wish these other places did, maybe we'd have something a little bit differentiated <laughs> from what's out there. Right, <laughs>
4: exactly, exactly. And that's the,
6: I guess that's the marketing
4: person in you too, isn't it, Michael? You know, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a classic story of, you know, really satisfying a need in the market. And I really think that that's what Romp and Roll has done, haven't they?
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, we we saw the opportunity to really offer um, multiple aspects of enrichment Mm -hmm. classes for children all under one roof. One of the things that frustrated my wife when she had our kids in these programs was she had to go here, there, and everywhere to get them, you know, art classes or music classes or gymnastics. And Mm -hmm. and that was sort of one of the founding principles of our company is, you know, let's, let's create one place where parents can bring young children and have them experience um, a lot of different activities, all, all with the same, you know, familiar nurturing staff and, and a place where parents could expect high-quality programs.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was very clever, you know, Michael. I mean, we've been doing this show now. It's, it's almost 10 years. You know, and we've had, you know, similar concepts on the show throughout the years, you know, using franchising as a means of um, distribution. But I, I don't recall anyone putting, I guess it's like the, the gym, art, and music all under one roof. I thought that was very clever.
6: Yeah, thank you. Um, that you know, that was again. It it started with you know, kind of what we thought that you know we would want for our for our two right. at the time young children. Now mm-hmm. they're just about in high school.
2: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's great.
6: Yeah, it was just it kind it kind of came all from a parent's perspective, and then right. um, you know we had the we had the good sense to you know to go out and hire um, some some really talented folks who have mm-hmm. advanced degrees in early childhood education, and we said you know here's what we want as parents. Now help us make this all educationally legitimate and sound and, and valuable, you know, for the kids that come here. And, and that's how we kind of got started. The um, the tagline for Romp and Roll stood out, too. I, I'm not sure if you're still using the same <laughs> tagline. We'll, we'll talk about it. Was it
4: Nurture the Genius, Unleash the, the Goofball? I thought that was very clever. That's
5: right. That's, that's right. fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, Please
6: we've been using that for a while now.
2: That's Yeah, that, you
6: know, it's just, it sort of speaks to the, the, we see ourselves at the intersection of education and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So the, sure. that kind of brought out the, the genius and the goofball part. And, uh, you know, in watching the videos
4: on YouTube, you know, we've been watching them over the last week, Michael. You know, I mean, it seems like such a fun place because, you know, the the parents get to interact as well, don't they?
6: That's really, you know, one of the cornerstones of our program. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times when people don't understand romp and roll, they might think of it as, uh, child care or daycare, and I always like to say we 're right. kind of the opposite of that you know we're not we, right. we, we do have some times that you can you can leave your kids with us for an hour or so, but really the, the cornerstone of our program is a place that you 're going to come you 're going to put down the cell phone you 're going to turn off the computer, and you 're going to mm-hmm. have really good quality one on one you know time with your child in a, in a fun, enriching you know class and and that 's really you know to me we do a lot of different things, and maybe we 'll talk about that you know as far as mm-hmm. birthday parties summer camps and things like that, but to me, the heart of what we do is really that, you know, that really good, you know, uh, adult child uh, uh, entertainment and education.
4: Do do you have trouble um, describing, you know, romp and roll, uh, Michael, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure you get the question all the time, you know, as people come up to you, you know, if you were at a franchise show, you know, and someone came up to your booth and said, you know, so what do you do? Where do you typically go from there? I mean, how do you typically describe the concept then to a prospective franchisee?
6: Well, I, it, it depends. It does sort of depend on who, who I'm describing it to. But you know, to a right. franchisee, you know, we like to say that we're, you know, we're a play-based education franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that's sort of the category that we put ourselves in. But yeah, right, it's hard. Right. There isn't really there isn't really a an industry for the types of uh, programs that we provide or the type of service that we provide. You know, uh, the uh, the the educate the child education uh, uh, industry is a seven billion dollar industry, and we're mm-hmm. you know obviously a, a small part of that. But within right. that, you do have the range of everything from the types of parent and child enrichment programs that we do all the sure. way up through child care. So.
4: Right and you kind of hinted too, you know is it, one of the things that I liked about your model as well, Michael was you know the crossover into different industries you know I suspect that you know you know birthday parties you know were were, were part of you know, like your services as well,
6: isn't it that's right, yeah, so um we do uh we do uh, membership based classes pretty much through the week and on on okay. weekend mornings, and then right. uh Saturday and Sunday afternoons we do um private uh um birthday parties for children turning one to five.
2: That's great. And it's funny, you
6: know, when we started the business, it was – Birthday parties wasn't um, a major part of our of our business plan. We kind of we kind of felt, you know, again, you know, using ourselves um, as parents of two young children as models, we sure.
2: you know, our,
6: our Saturday and Sunday afternoons were fairly busy, and we probably wouldn't be as likely to go to a weekly class at that point. Um right. But we looked and, and felt like you know there could be an opportunity to do birthday parties, and and now birthday parties are it's about twenty five percent of our revenue, so it's become a you know a significant part of our business.
4: It's amazing the whole birthday party, uh, you know.
6: Industry, so you
4: can say, Michael. I mean, how huge it is. You know, I mean, when you look at the numbers, and that's interesting. You know, that it wasn't part of the you know original plan, but you know, it it kind of you know became a a, a big part of the business. I mean, 25 percent. That's pretty significant, isn't it?
6: It is, and it's not. It's not just the revenue, but of course, birthday parties um, Mm. bring in uh, groups of folks that (laughs) aren't already members. um, So there's also you know a good. it's also a, a good from a uh, not only from a revenue standpoint, but also from a traffic uh, and awareness uh, standpoint. Sure. We, we we get a lot of uh, members uh, based upon providing quality, yeah. quality, birthday parties. That's a
4: great point. So, how many um, franchise locations are you up to today, Michael? I mean, since you know starting in, in 2004.
6: We have a total of 95 um, units, uh, interestingly, oh, wow, to, to many people. Uh, 85 of those are in China, <laughs> and 10 That's of them are, uh, are in the U.S.
4: That's great. You know, how did that happen, Michael? I mean, you know, it was interesting, you know, when I read about that, you know, I said, wow. I said, you know, how did that happen? You know, the, the, the majority of them were in China. I mean, I guess, you know, of course, they, they saw something early on, you know, in the opportunity, you know. And, of course, China being such a big market, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, I yeah. imagine it works well there. Just, but how did all that happen?
6: Well, when we started uh, franchising in, in around 2008, um, one thing I didn't realize is that there are very uh, smart entrepreneurs all around the world that are waiting right. for the next big thing to come out of the U.S. And f- as far as the right. franchise goes, and, and I found out pretty quickly when my phone started <sighs> ringing off the hook after we opened three or four units, um, and we we got you know we, we and to this day you know we we get you know. Um, Calls every week from from every country you can imagine, but we've always sure. had a, a lot of interest from from Asia and China in particular. And um, uh, you know, it was uh, we, I talked to a lot of folks who were interested in in bringing our concept to China, and uh, there was one one group um, that I ended up forming a relationship with. Um, they were actually uh, living Chinese folks living in the in the U.S. Uh, with the plans to acquire the master franchise rights to an up and coming. Kids franchise and, and bring right. it back to China and, and grow it. So uh, it was, uh, you know, sort That's of a perfect great. a perfect match. And, and we made a deal with them in, in 2010. Oh, we made the deal in 2009. The first location mm-hmm. opened in 2010. And uh, you know, we saw the we, we saw the the structure that they were putting in place, and the and the skills and talents that they had, and the and the reaction that our concept was getting in China. And know we really decided to put our eggs in that basket and from 2010 until around 2014 that was really where we focused our energies uh, and it was to help them develop and grow that business and um, as I said, we've got it up to, to 85 locations, and That's
2: and great. then
6: uh, about a, about a year ago, we decided to go back and say, okay, you know, we're we're, we're we need to play catch up here in the U.S. and get, sure, get some of more it's okay. open here. So we've opened three more uh, here since then, and, and are really focusing all of our energies now back on on the U.S. and development here.
4: That's fantastic. So
6: one of the questions I've been dying to ask you
4: because I am a fan, you know, and and I feel like I know you seeing you and your wife on TV. I mean, what was the shark experience like for you? Uh, it was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, were you nervous, Uh, Mike? You know, I actually make my students watch Shark Tank. You know, I always recommend that they watch Shark Tank. You know, I I thought you and and, and your wife Babs did a great, it was a classic um, elevator pitch. You know, how you came in, you were able to pitch this concept in 60 seconds and and you saw like their faces light up, you know, and I think they got it right away. And I I just, I just think you did an exceptional, it's a, it's a, it's a classic um, elevator pitch. I thought both of you did a great job.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, as far as the elevator pitch goes, that was the one part of the show that they, that they had us that they, you know, they worked with us on and they had us practice, obviously. And, you know, that type of thing. Um, so that that part we were prepared for. What Everything that happened after that, we were completely, uh, you know, clueless as to what was about to, to uh, happen. So, uh, right. you know, it started off, it started off, it, it wasn't, it was, I wasn't nervous in the beginning. And then as it went on and on, it started to get a little bit more, you know, uh, right, intense. Un- uncomfortable. <laughs>
4: sure, of course, of course. Have the camera's following you all over the place. And, you know, it, it, it must have been interesting for you, you know. And, and I'm sure it changed your life to some extent because it is a very popular show, is it? I mean, millions of people watch Shark Tank,
6: don't they? Yeah, Yeah. well, the funny thing about it is, um, you know, when we uh, decided or were offered the opportunity to go on it, um, it wasn't even on the air at that point. I, I was literally, right. you know, home uh, one one Friday night, Poking around Twitter, and I saw ABC put out a tweet about you know looking for entrepreneurs to be on a reality TV show, and I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll put my name in there. Sure, of
2: course. And uh,
6: the next day they called, and you know from there the process went on. But you know we literally flew out to Los Angeles to film our segment before the show aired, and and in fact the the premiere episode of Shark Tank occurred the night before we filmed, so we were sitting in our hotel room in LA seeing. It for the first time, what we were about to go in the next day. Oh so I, I, I've said to I've said to people in the past. I, you know, I, I, you know, maybe that was an advantage. Uh, you know, going in, right. you know, somewhat blind. Uh, you exactly. know, the folks that go on to it now, they they know about all of the sharks and their personalities and what they, you know, what they like and and might be interested in and what they might not be. We we went in, pretty. Pretty blind.
4: <laughs> sure, of course, of course. I I, thought, I mean, I thought you both did a great job. But what types of characteristics, then, I mean, do you look for, um, you and your wife look for in your franchisees, Michael?
6: Well, we have um, established core values that we've set for mm-hmm. the company, and, you know, we look for those core values to go through our employees, our, our franchise owners, and, and their employees as well. And, you know, some of those core values um, are things like, you know, being service-driven, uh, you sure. know, we're obviously you know dealing with parents and young children. We have to have a, a very high level and perform at a high, very level, very high level of customer service. Right. Um, adaptability is a is a core value that we look for mm-hmm. uh, in our franchisees. Um, we need folks that are fun. You know, we're we're in a, sure. you know, it's it's a business and we're here to make money, but you know, we got to have fun every day because that's what our product is all about. Um, and then, right. you know, being positive and being positive and motivated. Um, you know, we look for folks that, uh, you know, know how to leave the troubles that we all have from time to time at the door and, and come in and bring a little bit of that Disney magic to uh, the romp and roll right. experience. Um, and then being motivated. You know, we need folks that that um, understand that. You know, we, again, we have a fun product, but it's hard work, and
4: uh, we, work, right. we work
6: really hard to be successful. So, those are some of the those are some of the core values that we that we live by, and, and some of the things that we look for um, in our franchisees.
4: So, I mean, as, as far as experience goes, Michael, I mean, <clears throat> you know, th- it doesn't sound like there has to be a lot of experience, I guess, in this particular industry. I mean, like, if you look at you know some of your, your franchisees and their past lives, like what they were doing in the past. I mean, do they have industry experience, or it's not really necessary?
6: Um, I would say it, it, it's not really necessary right now. We've mm-hmm. got a mix um, within our current franchise owners. You know, some have uh, some type of sales or customer service background, right. and, and based upon you know what I just described, that's obviously you know pretty helpful. Sure. And we also have some that do have education experience. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
6: We have one of our franchisees um, just left the public school system um, oh. to. Uh, to open a romp and roll franchise, you know, loved, uh, loves um, teaching and loves being uh, around children, but just getting, you know, frustrated with some of the things that's going, that are going on in the public school system. And
2: that's been,
6: um, that's been a great fit uh, for us as well.
4: That's fantastic.
6: What's the training like, uh, Michael? I mean, once you decide that, you know,
4: um, you know, you do like them and they, they like you and and they decide to become a franchisee, I mean, do they typically come then to um, your headquarters? Is that how it works?
6: Yeah, yeah. We have a, a training program that we do here at our headquarters. It's it's around ten days uh long. Okay. Um and, and we um you know, we can split that up into two segments depending upon how, how far they're coming from. Um so sometimes we do that in two segments, sometimes they stay the whole time. Um and then when uh they're getting ready to open, we go and we spend six or seven days uh with them both before and after uh, the grand opening uh to help them train some of their employees and, and make sure that the, the the center is set up correctly. Um, and then we've got a support team, and we do uh, biweekly phone call, one-on-one phone calls with our owners. We do monthly um, training calls with all of our franchise owners on the call at the same time. And then we do right. uh, visits, on-site visits.
2: That's great. What,
4: what are the grand, I imagine the grand openings must be a wonderful um, experience, you know, for you and your wife. I mean, what's, what's it feel like today, you know, I mean, to see, you know, really how far, I mean, Rock and Roll has come, you know, from, from an idea, you know, that you and your wife had, you know, to, you know, where the, the organization is today is really quite significant. What does it feel like today for
6: you? it's 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 uh, it's really remarkable i mean um mm. you know to, to to take some of the you know same ideas that we kicked around our kitchen table uh 12 right. years ago and sure. and see them being implemented um, all over the country and, 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 in China. And, and, you know, one of the beautiful things about the, the franchise system that we've developed is it's, it's very replicable, which is obviously, you know, what a franchise right. system is all about, but to, you know, exactly. be some place like it, you know, be in China and, and see them, see kids in, in China singing songs that you, that you created sure. with your team around your kitchen table. It's a pretty, pretty cool feeling. And um, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a great rewarding business, you know, sure. uh, I, I, I didn't fully intend, as I got into this, to be spending 12 years at it. I thought maybe I'd help my wife get it started and, and go back to marketing. But uh, right, right. you know, as, as the business grew and my, my love and passion for uh, seeing this grow and succeed has, has has grown along with it, it's just been uh, it's been just a great great journey so far.
4: Yeah. And it must be nice. You know, you can see that, you know, the chemistry, of course, between you and your wife, you know, it seems, you know, like you work very well together, you know, and of course, you know, you with your marketing background and, and your wife's background, it, it seemed like a nice combination for, you know, coming up with with a business. So I, I thought that was, that was fantastic.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So
4: what's a typical day like, Michael? I mean, as as a franchisee, um, if you could like paint a picture, uh, you know, for our mm-hmm. listeners, you know, what is that like?
6: Sure. Um, well, we we usually um, start our day. We usually open around nine or nine fifteen. So uh, our mm-hmm. staff and our owner, and our owner usually uh, you know get in around eight thirty, quarter to nine or so, get the day ready. Um, and then we mornings are very busy um, at Romp and Roll. Uh, so we uh-huh. typically run uh, two classes at a time. That's one of the one of the nice things about our our setup, by the way, is we can run a, a gym or a music class and an art class at the same time. There's a lot of a lot of benefits for the customers in, in being able to do that. But um, right. The, uh, so we have run classes uh, pretty much from you know nine or nine fifteen through twelve or one o'clock, and you know the owner's role and all that it kind of depends upon what their what their background and what their passions are. We have like I said some owners that have more of an education background and they like to spend more of their mornings. Maybe in the classroom, either teaching or observing mm-hmm. and training, or what have you. And others, right. um, you know, leave that to the folks that they hire, and they like to be more uh, at the membership desk, you know, serving customers, um, you know, returning phone calls, what have you. So it, it's sort of we have we have sort of different models set up depending upon what the interests and the passions of our owners are. Um, as long as somebody's doing the work, you know, doesn't really uh, necessarily sure. matter, you know, wh- where it falls. But anyway, um, the the mornings are, are pretty busy, and then um, the afternoons. Uh, uh, it, it, we slow down a little bit between like 1 and 4 o'clock. It's, it's sort of nap time or older mm-hmm. siblings need to get home from school or what have you. So we do what's called open gym typically um, in the middle of the afternoon. Um, that is sort of, I kind of equate it to an indoor playground. So there's it's right. not structured or instructor-led. It's just, you know, you can bring your child in and, and just play on the equipment and, and do whatever you'd like. So that's the afternoons, and that's a good time for our owners to you know, spend some time in the office doing you know, any of the business functions of uh, you know, right. accounting or bill paying or having meetings. Right. We do a lot of our training calls um, between those times. Um, and then uh, we start up again with classes typically around 4 o'clock and go through 6, um, 30, or 7. Uh, okay. And, of course, our owners um, aren't, always, aren't always there from open to close. So sure. that's sort of how the day flows, and, and they, uh, you know, they, they, they do what they need to do.
4: So, romp and roll. I guess technically, it's, it's, you're open seven days a week, then, aren't you, Michael? I guess with the you know we the are. birthday parties in, in, in you know in the loop, you know it's seven days a week, isn't it?
6: That's right. That's yeah, fantastic. we decided when we when we were kind of formulating the business, you know, as long as we're paying commercial rents, we wanted to find sure. ways that we could, you know, optimize as much time as possible throughout the week, and and I think we've we've succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I think that's great. So, you know, I mean,
4: in studying your background, Michael, I mean, you know, I know you worked, you know, you worked in corporate America, you know, um, but I mean you know, a lot of people, of course, would call you, you know, an, an entrepreneur, you know, because you were able to, you know, take a chance and you satisfied a, a need in the market. And, you know, our listeners, we call them aspiring franchisees. I mean, most of our listeners want to get into franchising, but we find from, you know, doing the show such a long time now that so many of them, they don't even know where to begin because it seems like there's like just so much out there today. So, I mean, from everything you've experienced up to this point with Romp and Roll, what advice would you give to our Listeners in their quest to buy a franchise.
6: Uh, boy, that's a great question. Um, I guess uh, I, I, I like to, you know, with, with our with with the folks that come and talk to me about a romper roll franchise, I can mm-hmm. speak to at least. You know, I always like to tell them. You know, start with making a list of your strengths and your weaknesses.
5: Mm. Um, I
6: think you know a lot of times we can think that we're good at everything, and the reality right. is, is that very few people if any, any of us are good at everything. so be good real point. with yourself and you know figure out what are you good at and and what gaps are you are you going to need to fill because I think that's sure. important you know and then as you begin to explore various franchise opportunities or a specific franchise opportunity, you know think about you know how you're going to be able to fill in the gaps on 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 those things that may be uh, weaknesses of yours. Um, right. Right, so, right. you know, that that would that would be one. Um
1: yeah.
6: I think, you know, um particularly with franchisees, uh you have to be prepared to be, you're you're a franchisee of a, of a larger system, but you have to be prepared mm-hmm. to be the CEO of your company.
0: You sure, know, uh
6: you got like to be prepared to make be prepared to make, you know, the the tough decisions that, as if you, you know, weren't part of a larger system. So, right. You right. Know, me- mentally that that you know, putting yourself, you know, am I in that mindset? Am I ready to play that right. role? Um, is, uh, is 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 a, is a good thing to think about? And then right. you know, I think another thing in, in looking at franchise systems too is, um, you know, what what's your personality type like? You know, you could be you could be in a in a, Are you more comfortable being in a larger, more established, perhaps more rigid system, um, or are you gonna are you better off? Um, in a, in a smaller system, maybe where you could bring some more entrepreneurial uh, skills to play, you know, maybe you'd like that. Maybe right, you'd like the opportunity right. to do that. Maybe that scares the heck out of you and you'd be better off, in, you know, in a larger system where you maybe have a little less uh, a leeway. So I, I mean, those are a couple of things that I right. would say, you know, to, to maybe think about. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I think that's great advice. I like how you say that, you know, you
4: do have to have that CEO mindset. You know, I think sometimes people think that, you know, franchising, uh, Michael, sometimes runs on automatic pilot and it doesn't, does it? You know, I mean, you still have to be prepared to make those decisions, don't you?
6: yeah absolutely you know um early on when we started franchising you know I, I thought one of the greatest compliments that we got from folks that would come in and talk to us they'd say something like you know boy you, you've got this all figured out and you've made it really easy on us and in right. the beginning i you know kind of thought yes I, I have haven't I you know and, and it, <laughs> it, it took me a while to realize that you know no i mean i mean yes we have we've done we, we've done a lot to we we've, we've got a comprehensive system, but um, right but it's, it's, it's still hard work. It's, you know, you sure, don't have to, our franchisees don't have to worry about creating lesson plans or coming up right. with uh, you know, creative for, for marketing pieces yes, we've, we've figured all that stuff out, but uh, right, right. you know, I get, I get uncomfortable with the idea that uh, that this is going to be easy.
4: Sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I think that's fantastic advice. So, so next question I can ask you as the founder of the company, I mean, so what do you see, you know, romp and roll maybe, you know, three to five years down the road, Michael?
6: Well, we, we've got um, we've got a, 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 a team in place and a, and, a, and a system in place now to get some some significant growth going in the U.S. Um, as I said, you know we've we've done um, we've done three deals recently for new locations um, here in the U.S. And, and we're expecting to do six more this year. And then uh, you know the next That's couple great. of years we want to be on a pace to do you know, probably 12 to 15. Uh, uh, deals a year new locations mm-hmm. a year so you know three to five years you know I, I, i'm hoping that we're going to be approaching that that 100 unit mark here in the u.s and uh and, and who knows uh where where we'll be elsewhere but uh right that's uh, true but uh yeah but that's uh that's 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 what we've got in place right now and uh and we've got the we've got the team and the momentum in place to make that happen so i'm i'm that's I'm great. excited we're yeah we, we, we got we got some good momentum going
4: That's fantastic.
6: What's the best way uh, for our listeners to get more information,
4: um, you know, on romp and roll services and, and, and becoming a franchisee? Michael, is there any websites or any numbers that you'd like to have them call or check out?
6: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Marty. Um, we have two websites. The, the, our consumer website, if you want to learn, you know, kind of what, what Romp and Roll is all about from a from a what from the parents' perspective, is right. just rompandroll.com. It's R-O-M-P, okay. the letter N, R-O-L-L. And then we've got a dedicated um, franchise opportunity site too, which is just rompandrollfranchise.com.
4: That's easy enough. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show, Michael. It's funny, you know, when you, when you see someone on TV, you feel like you, you you get to know them, you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like I knew you before they even, you know, entered, this is my first time actually speaking to you, but I, I feel like I did yeah. know you, you know, so I mean, I guess television has that power, doesn't it? You know, but um, <laughs> again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, I think this and Roll is a great opportunity and I'd really like to invite you
6: back, you know, as, as you continue to grow. I think this is wonderful. Anytime. I enjoy talking to you, and I appreciate the opportunity to share information with your listeners.
4: Uh, Thanks, Michael. The pleasure has been mine, and we'll be right back with more franchise interviews.
1: The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com, or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700.
0: Blog Talk Radio. Yo,
2: it's me, The Grill. Why don't you put down that garden hose and get over here? We got some grilling to do. So scrape my grate and lay it on me. Spicy Korean pork chops, grilled pork burritos, and double smoky ribs with bacon, bourbon, barbecue sauce. woo Wait, I'm getting up to 350 real fast. So come on. Let's grill for it. Want to grill for it this summer? Get started at PorkBeInspired.com. This message funded by America's pork producers and the Pork Checkoff. Blog Talk Radio.
1: Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to a
4: very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking the entrepreneurs one one I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with Jerry Hancock, the founder of Sub Zero Ice Cream. And SubZero Ice Cream uses negative 321-degree liquid nitrogen to freeze and hand-mix each customized order with a unique and process. We're going to talk to Jerry about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around, because we have a great show.
1: The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com, or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Franchise Teacher.
2: Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032.
0: That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative
5: Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise
0: Interviews.
4: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over nine years we've been asking the franchise for the long one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Jerry Hancock, the founder of Sub Zero Ice Cream. And Sub Zero Ice Cream uses negative 321 degree liquid nitrogen to freeze and hand-mix each customized order with a unique patented process. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Beginning, but it's great to have you on the show. You know, I first learned about you, and, you know, I want to talk to you, uh, you know, about the Shark Tank experience. One of my favorite shows is Shark Tank, and when I saw the whole concept, I said, wow, this is great. So, You know, to have the chance to speak to you today is really, it's just a pleasure. So thanks for coming on the show. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Provo, Utah. Oh, fantastic. How's the weather there today, Jerry? It's hot. Uh, It's
3: about 100 degrees (laughs) today. So, you know, it's a dry heat. So, uh, Right, right,
4: of course, of course. Yeah, that's fantastic. So how did you get this whole, uh, you know, franchise started, Jerry? I mean, I know there's an interesting story behind the concept. Well, um,
3: you know, we had a, a burrito concept that, um, that we bought and we just, you know, I, I, my degrees in chemistry and, and so I was working in software engineering, so that makes sense. But the, uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, um, you know, diversify my experience. And so I, um, so I bought a, uh, you know, something I think I thought I could understand that's just a food concept. And of course we, we bought in and built a poor location and, and, um, you know, the, uh, um, anyway, to make a long story short, we needed to add some revenue, so we just right. started asking the customers what they wanted. So if they so they said uh, everybody said ice cream, and I said all right, great. So I started researching ice cream. Basically, came up with the fact that French or the the manufacturers suggested don't do ice cream if you're already in a struggling location, and right. they gave one caveat. They said unless it's different, and so people come away from the brand to try the different, and so. Um, so we asked people what they liked, and everybody said customization. So the
4: uh, the definition oh. of the
3: product then became: don't freeze until till you order it. Wow, and so it's that's fantastic. How it I mean,
4: with the process, right? It's fantastic. It is. It's 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 a great story. I mean, you know how you know, and that's when, been one of the themes of our show, Joe. You know it. You know, we're slowly approaching our 500th show, 10 years of, of doing the podcast, you know, and it's one of the things that attracted me to your franchise and your concept, you know, is I, I thought it was just it was an interesting story, you know, when I first learned about you. For anyone who's unfamiliar with, with Sub-Zero, I mean, how do you then typically describe the concept? We give a very brief introduction in the beginning of the show, but how do you typically describe it to someone? sure. So if you, if
3: you think about an ice cream shop and early, early on, we had people coming into the burrito shop and they said, when are you going to open up your ice cream shop? And I was like, well, we're open. What are you talking about? And they said, where's the freezers? Right. So, you know, you, so the, the first thing you have to understand is that there's no freezers. So you you know, an ice cream shop with no freezers, that's kind of different. So it's, uh, right. so we just, we started asking, or we started, um, with, uh, um, you know, let's take it right back to basics. So and in in doing that it it's morphed into to more options for customers and so but anyway let's go back to what it is so the custom made order ice cream so somebody wants to customize it's custom made order so it's it's one step back from what you you're used to from just adding right. a topping so if you so somebody walks in and um, our original vendor had a premium ice cream mix that had a low fat that had a custard that have a, a, um, a yogurt and so people would walk in, they'd say, All right, do you want a premium custard, low fat, or yogurt? And then we'd add the flavors. So if you wanted a cheesecake, um mm-hmm. pineapple, pineapple cheesecake. Right. Then you add those two flavors in and then, then uh we can either add a mix in before or after, depending on whether you want it throughout or on top. And then you uh wow. and um and then we freeze it. It takes about fifteen seconds to freeze and right. and then we scoop it. And it um so it's a completely custom-made ice cream. Now, one other thing that's different about it, too, is that most people don't realize that ice cream's half air. Most ice cream is, is, has what they call overrun in the industry, okay. and they overrun, what that means is that as it's freezing, they're whipping it with air. Our ice cream wow. doesn't have any overrun, so it's, a, it's what they call a super premium ice cream where there's just no extra air.
4: It's really it is. It's just it's it's so clever, you know. When when I saw the whole concept, but what's what's been some of your favorite flavors? I mean, you know, over over time, Jerry. I mean, has it been one particular flavor, two particular flavors that have stood out for you? Anything you personally like?
3: You know, it, it's amazing to me that I still find flavors that I find, um, um, you know, as as uh, new flavors all the time. That that we put together, because right. we have 40 flavors in-house, in, in house, and you can mix and match those flavors. So wow. instead of just a chocolate, you've got chocolate amaretto. And I, I really like amaretto, but I like it with something else, like chocolate amaretto or a mint right. amaretto. And um, so mint amaretto is the ones I – the two I tend to gravitate to are mint amaretto or a, or a coconut blackberry with raspberry.
4: Wow, and, um, I mean, you I can like pretty much get something different every time you go in, yeah. you know? Yeah,
3: every time. Every time, exactly. It's uh, You could you could spend, spend your entire life, you know, with ten ice creams a day <laughs> and never true. exhaust the option.
4: That's true. That's fantastic. What was the – you know, I have to ask you, I mean, because I am such a fan of the show, you know, so I, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity. I mean, what was the Shark Tank experience like for you, Jerry, for you and your wife? It was uh, – you know, I I do a lot of public
3: speaking. I like to do that, and we do, uh, but usually it's um it's usually on uh, science and because we take the right. the the uh, we've tried to create a curriculum that where we use the liquid nitrogen to to promote education. At any rate, the point of the matter is that I you know uh, it was it's a, a little bit different you know obviously than anything else because you know with with uh, um. Uh, with their format, you know, there, there's right there's one thing that you when you walk in, the only thing that's scripted is that first couple of minutes. Right. I'm terrible at scripts. I'm just awful <laughs> at at scripts. So I I, I kind of botched the script, um, you know, for the most part. Uh, but they that was uh, the part but of I the think the production Jerry
4: was. Yeah, was that the part with the nitrogen? I think where you forgot to was it you forgot to spray yeah, the nitrogen? Uh, if I you remember saw correctly, that. yep.
3: It was yep, actually clever.
4: It. It really, I think it really added to the segment though because it made it more natural. It, it made it
3: feel like we were human, I think, and that was right. the, the, the good thing. And uh, now one thing that you know, I'm a pretty flat personality as far as you know, I don't inflect a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the pro- producers kept on saying, you know, when we go through our practice. And the only thing they care about, the producers don't do anything but coach you on that part. So they right. don't do anything, um, the um, um, anything other than that. So they uh, they just kept on saying, "You need more energy. You need more energy." You, you, you probably see <laughs> the people that come in and they they got the, "Hey, I'm crazy, Eddie," you know, and right? They, exactly, uh, exactly. And they um, and it's it's not um, it's uh, so anyway so. You know, I didn't want to do that, obviously, yeah. and um, but they um, so but anyway, I'm trying to pump it up, and I so I I'm not used to like energy shots, so I took two sure. right before he walked in, and then you walk down that gangplank, <laughs> and then you hit the, yes. your mark, and then they go stop, and I forgot about this, you know, they they told you this, but they don't really explain it to you. They do camera right. check, so for the next oh, like, I gotcha. And I and I'm like, oh my heck! I mean, I'm that that 30 seconds felt like two hours, you know, just because Mr. Wonderful's going with his fingers, you know, um, back and forth, and and um, and then you're and and I started getting dizzy, and then they go, they don't say one, two, three, go, or,
4: right.
3: uh, you know, you know, snap the the little thing, and and they just say go, and sure. that's it. So you're so then I'm like, oh, wow. okay, I'm in a daze right now. So we got, I mean, after that that that. Kind of mix up actually did like you're right. It did loosen it up. You know, it made yes. it feel. Um, or we we uh, made a goof. We made it more r- real. You know, and, and not um, uh, so you know business. Um, right. And that was I think that was a good thing. Um, but it's yeah. It was it was it was a great experience. I, um, uh, I still have to kind of pinch myself that we actually got on. But I, I kind of right. I just knew we were going to get on when I applied. I just had this mm-hmm. kind of
4: just yeah this, this feeling
3: feel and I and I part of it's because I I know we've got a great show even before right. we knew we had we had great ice cream I knew we had a good show
4: yeah yeah I, I mean I thought you did a great job you know on the show you know I mean it 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 made an impression you know and I can understand why. You know Shark Tank would be interested, you know, in in your type of concept. You know, so I mean, it did, it 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 made a lot of sense. You know, so how how has it changed things? I mean, for you know, for the business, Jerry. I mean, uh, you know, I imagine the show has some type of impact. I mean, that's how I you know I also learned about you as well. You know, so you know when I saw I had the opportunity to interview you, of course I jumped at it. Um,
5: yeah. You know, has
4: it changed things a bit? It
3: has. It's it's uh you know it's been an incredible. Um um, you know, advocate I guess as far as the brand. And yes. um, now, the interesting thing about Shark Tank, you'd think they'd like have, you know, contact with you after the show. I haven't heard from the show, you know, in probably um, well since really other than somebody sending an email, can you send us an update? And we never hear anything left. You know, other than that, right? They they leave you you know hanging you know completely. So you're on your own after the show, and we didn't get a deal. And, um, which, you know, um, that's probably a good thing, but it's, uh, but it makes it a a different struggle because if you think about like people that get a deal, at least they have some money if they act, if it actually went through, because they don't always go through. Um, if they, um, those that, uh, the get a deal, at least have some money, you know, to, uh, um to do something, you know, to prepare Sure. where, you know, right. when we, um, you know, when we, uh, went on, we, um, 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 we didn't have any money to, to go out and, and, uh, prepare. So right. in other words, like, like we, we, you know, I remember talking to one of the other shark tank, you know, people that have been on before, and he he spent like thousands of dollars just updating his website so that it could handle the traffic, and it still crashed. And I was like, wow. "Well, I don't have thousands of dollars. I've got like right. hundreds of dollars." And exactly. so we're just like, "Well, the website's gonna crash." I mean, oh well. And um, <laughs> and it did. And it was the funny thing is wow. that when I I had that same guy like w- uh, watching the the web traffic, and yeah. um. And we, uh, and he says, you know, he says when we were on and our website crashed, he says we got all this social media saying what a bunch of smucks, their website crashed. And he says mm. when you guys went on, he says people were saying, all right, good for them, they've made it, they've crashed, we've crashed their website. You know, it was all positive I, and it was like,
2: right. I couldn't,
3: I, I was almost shocked that we got that kind of response. Um, wow. Which I'm glad for, but it was, it was just different. Um, because you just had this, um, we seem to be likable enough that people, um, you know, they, anyway, they wanted to root for you.
4: Of course, of course, absolutely. Yeah, it would be interesting if they did follow up, Jerry, you know what I mean? Because you're right, I'm always curious sometimes, like, what happens, you know, after, you know, a guest comes on the show, you know, you do wonder sometimes, whatever happened to that guest or whatever happened to, you know, another guest, you know. And I, I think that would be an interesting part of the show sometimes, you know, is to kind of go back sometimes and, you know, find out what happens.
3: Yeah, and it's, I mean, I love the Beyond the Shark Tank, but they, they t- typically tend to focus on people that actually got a deal. And so it's right. very, the ones that got a you deal. know, focused on. And I, um, uh, no, we, we went in there having a pretty good idea we weren't going to get a deal. And that sounds pessimistic, but it's really mm-hmm. not. It's it's that if you study and anybody going on the show, you know, you're going to study like what each person's character is like, and because right, um, you're making a you're making a lifelong decision, and uh, but also you want to pitch it. I mean, every, everything's about audience. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, um, so we uh, um, so anyway, the only people that had done a food a food concept is Barbara. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, as far as a brick and mortar, some of them had done like shipping, you know, stuff to be shipped like Damon, but it was always like mail order. It was a web, it was a web, you know, type play. Right. And, right. um, but brick and mortar. And they really don't like franchises for some reason. There's a, mm. there's a, yeah. I, I mean, i actually heard interviews where they just flat out say they don't like franchises. So yeah, I've seen that, too. It's, so, it's, so the only one that was going to do anything was Barbara. Barbara wasn't yeah. there. She might bring in, you know, um, Mark Cuban, but he mm-hmm. won't go on his own, you know, on, oh, on that see. type of deal.
5: So we just right. went in like, right. all right,
3: you know what, we'll give the best pitch, but we can't, like, we talk, you know, some people would go, they would have, like, come back and said, hey, what about, like, 40% or they you know if you're desperate and we were but when you know you're not going to get a deal you might as well leave you know the highest thing on the table of course and then right. take your lumps and then somebody else comes along then at least you got a good show and exactly uh, um but anyway that's that's kind of when we went in we just we just knew that it was um that was that was the you know the case so right, that's of that's you're hearing her there and that's but no matter what, it's it's like one of my one one of we had two producers, one producer kept on coming in and says you you know, you focused on really getting a deal and she really focused it, you know, you gotta get a deal, you gotta get a deal. And part of it is the last three or four days they'd had a lot of loser, you know, products on there and right. the producers were getting frustrated with the with the produce, with the staff because they're getting I these see. loser pitches. And, um, so they were like, we need more deals, you know? And, um, and I'm like, listen, I, I we've got a great product. They don't want it. There's nothing I can do. And right, of um, course they, um, and then the other producer closed the door and he says, you know what? If you get a deal, great. He says, but more importantly, get aired because not everybody that tapes gets aired. And yes, i heard so, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he said, focus on your presentation and making sure you present well, because if you don't present well, if you don't make good TV, then you right. don't get on the air. So That's we had people that were on just before us that we, we knew. Well, they got a deal, but they never got aired. Oh, boy. And their, right, right. And their deal fell through. So it's like, well, so you got to focus on, you know, the, the um, task at hand. First, it's like through that process, you know, who makes the decision of who gets taped the casting director so your audience right. is the casting director not the sharks so don't present That's to great. the sharks when you're you know going to the casting director so then right. you you move to another step each one of those steps in that in that process is a different audience I and gotcha so, that makes sense and and so you play a role like when you go into the tank like I gotta I gotta I gotta be good TV and try and get a deal, right. and they're not always the same thing.
4: That's true. I use this show for, uh, <clears throat> you know, teach um, uh, marketing at Kaplan uh, University, Jerry, and, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll use the clip, you know, like in the beginning, as you said, the introduction where you're making the pitch, you know, like we call it the elevator pitch, or sometimes we call it a, a unique marketing proposition, you know, and um, I think I've probably even used yours in the past as well, you know, um, for my classes, you know, and I, I think it's it's a great learning experience. I find for my business students, you know, I don't require them to watch it, but you know, um, a, a lot of them do, and you know, they they learn a lot, you know, by by watching the show, you know. And and again, it's it's one of the reasons, you know, it's, it's when I heard about, you know, I had this opportunity to interview. I said, oh, I I I, I know him, you know. Not, I've never spoken to you, but TV does that, doesn't it? You know, it feels like yeah, you, it does. Uh, know the person, you know, and and again, you and I have never actually spoken before, but I felt like I knew you before, you know, this interview, you know, um, which is is fantastic. At, at what point did you, in the business, Jerry, did you decide to franchise? I mean, would you have known initially, you know, when you started the concept, it was going to be a franchise, or you know, how did you know, you know, that fran- it seems we, like franchising is a very that was good the fit. Intent. It, that's that's I knew that either it was either
3: um sell out very very early to very big money or franchise. Right. And so
5: right. and
3: um when I it was such an unproven concept or idea mm-hmm. when we right. when we started that um and it took it really took a lot longer than even I expected to uh to test out. So we you know sure. the, there's there was quite a few problems when we um when we started. Now what I mean by that is like we we started out with, um, um, you know, th- this idea, but the thing we found is that when we um, um, there were there were either consistency, getting the consistency right, getting the process right, mm-hmm. and getting um, and that's changed many, many, many times over the years. But they, right. uh, but then also flavoring. We I really didn't anticipate that flavoring was going to be as big of a problem as it, as it was. Now, right. um, think about, like, most ice cream shops when they make an, or even a yogurt shop, you know, they're doing a minimum of five gallons per batch, and they're they're flavoring that. So they, and they, the flavors wow. come pretty concentrated. So now we're doing right. four ounces. And four ounces wow. is a very different ratio than, than sure. um, you know, so, so getting the flavor right was was very difficult, and getting them dispensed and accurately, you know, um, made. And then as we diluted them, so then you work on a dilution factor, and you think, okay, that's that'll work. Um, but you forget that then they start to ferment. When things are concentrated, they're preserved by the fact that they're concentrated. That's why people concentrate them. So they right. um, then you uh, then you go for uh, uh, then we had to go and, and figure out how to, to um, make it uh, preserved so that it would last okay. longer in that non concentrated format.
4: Wow. What do you look for in your franchisees, Jerry? I mean you look for any particular types of characteristics or skills to get into the franchise. As I said, you know, when I studied your model, it seemed like, you know, franchising was a really good fit. You know, um, as far as distributing the pro- the, the, the the product, um, but I mean, what characteristics it, or traits do you look for?
3: And like like I mentioned, there's two. You know, getting money is a good option, but it's right. but those people are, aren't really focused on um, money. People are, are mo- focused on getting a return, and so the the long term isn't isn't in their sights. they right. they're they're, okay. they're looking short term. So anyway, back to the uh, franchisee. Franchisees more is is looking more long term. So right. for for one, and the other thing is that I look for is, it's I, I it's kind of a it's a character thing, and I always tell the prospect, you know, that's looking into franchising, uh, a story about when I was with uh, this other brand. It was called New York Burrito, and I was buying some equipment from one of the stores that was closing. And um and I s and I asked the guy, I said, Well you know, you spent a hundred thousand dollars on the your build out. He says, Why are you closing? He says, Well, he says, you know, um, it's just getting in the way of my fishing. And I I just remember that, you know, I I, I and uh, it just shocked me. I'm like, It's getting in the way of your fishing?
0: Right he says, yeah.
3: He says, You know, I, I'm I'm a fireman, I get three days off a week, four days off a week, he says, um, you know, I just I'm not fishing anymore, and I, I really want to fish. And I was like, "Okay, whatever." If that's the so, I tell people like the, the main thing I'm looking for is I'm saying, "Listen, if you think this is going to consume or don't, isn't going to consume your life, then don't do this because right, it, of course. it you know owning a business consumes you. Um, it
4: does, and it
3: has to consume you. Mm-hmm. Um. So the uh, so, anyway, that's and and just if it's gonna it's, if it's gonna get in the way of your fishing, then don't do it. Right.
4: Um, I think a lot of people <clears throat> don't realize that, Jerry. You know, when they get into franchising, I think sometimes they just think you know the franchise is just gonna run on uh, automatic pilot. You know, we heard that you know a lot you know over the last decade, and um, you know from experience of talking to people like yourself, that's it. That's not the way it works, is it?
3: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's you've got to be in front of the. You know, I look at our most successful franchisees; they're the ones that are the best at treating it like a small business, and they just go out right. and pound the pavement. They're they're involved yeah. in their local community. They, uh, um, you know, they they've been in, involved in the in the community prior to so they they know the people in their area they get supported because people know them they you know they like them and it's it's not because they're they're rich and they're adding to another um you know just uh, just another business it's because right. um they're real people and they really they're they're open and involved i find the biggest marketing benefit or or if you want to call it that um marketing tool is talking and
5: it's
3: mm, that, it's just that's just it, and it's right it's, it's just simply talking um even even if it's on social media, when I'm learning as time mm-hmm. goes on and looking for you know the silver bullet in social media, you know what works right. I did this I did a video last night, it was thirty seconds with my dad, a live video, and it was just on my personal page. it wasn't on the sub zero page. And he, he's he been like, well, how do I, what do I, my dad's asking me, like, he's 75 years old, he's asking me, what can I do? Sure. He's an architect, got a lot of experiences. And I, and I, we were just talking about old buildings. And I just made a comment about, you know, for the love of old buildings, you know, and that we, you know, we're just sitting here talking about that. And by the time I got home from his house, less than an hour away, we had 60 people that were watching it. And by the wow. later that night, there's hundred and thirty people now these aren't this isn't like on a corporate page or we posted it or boosted it right you know it starts with the, it starts with just some just talking and and that's what and social media is, isn't it
4: I think yeah, a lot of people uh, you know misinterpret i think <clears throat> you know it it's a great lesson i you know I, I teach social media marketing as well, Jerry, and I, I love that example. I'd like to even, like, share that with my students, you know, because, you know, that's the learning lesson. I think a lot of people have this misperception of what social media is. You know, I think they just – a lot of people think it's just selling a product sometimes or just coming out and just, you know, talking about your product. But it, it's like you said, it's it's talking, isn't it? I mean, it's as simple yeah. as that. And I, That's why it's so effective, isn't it? it, it I don't know if you recall Gary,
3: Gary V. You've, have you heard of Gary Vee? I know the name.
4: I know the name. Yes. Anyway, he's written
3: some books and stuff, and I've been watching him. Mm-hmm. And one thing I I watched some of his older videos. They did, and any it was with this wine company that he sold off. And yes. I've, oftentimes it's just like, oh, he's just a hype guy, just a hype guy, you know. Well, how he became the hype guy is because he was selling wine, and the reason his wine business took off was because he sat down each day, and he brought out a different wine, and just talked about it. And that was it. It's you know. And, it's, and it, it dawned, on, dawned on me that we're always so fr- afraid of criticism. Yeah. For so many years, I was afraid to say, we make the best ice cream in the world. Okay? And then right. it wasn't till we, until I got validated when we were at a fair and, and, and people were running around to the major brands. And they were just going and they started taste testing. And I was like, I should just like tally. And it was ten out of ten people that didn't know which one was which were picking our product, uh-huh. and I was like, "Wow, holy crap, we've got a good product, yeah,
4: exactly, so
3: exactly, but you gotta you're always so afraid that like I gotta back it up, okay, right with something, you know just yeah, back it up, and it's it's wow. uh so i think I think we gotta get past the fear and just talk
5: mhm.
4: It's true. Yeah, I think you're right. There is. There's a lot of trepidation, isn't there? In you know, as you said, getting past the whole the whole fear. You know, it's. I was um, I was on a, a podcast a month ago, on entrepreneurship, Jerry. You know, and I was telling the story how. I had that fear you know when I was presented with the opportunity to do this podcast we're we're slowly approaching our five hundredth show and tenth year of doing it, you know, and I was terrified to do the first show, you know, and now, yeah, you know it just seems it seems so natural you know and since we 've been doing the show you know we've had over a half a million people listen to the podcast, and it's 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 really it's it's incredible you know um and it 's like you said it 's really as simple as just just talking about something that you 're interested in or passionate about, you know, and that 's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear ads or promotions, right? right? They just want to hear someone talk about something of, of quality, you know, that has content. You know, I, I think we're, uh, you know, as a country, we're, we're tired of the ads. You know, there's just, we're bombarded with it. But I think that's one of the appeals sometimes of people that do well in social media that, gentlemen, you're talking with the wine. I mean, that's, that's a great story. And your dad, too. That's a great yeah. example as well. 75 years old.
3: Yeah, and he's, you know, he's trying to get into it, and we're just, you know, and I and I just said, well, let's just do a live chat, live video, and I, we just said, you know, we're just talking about, I'm just sitting here and just thinking about things we like to talk about, and it just happens to be old buildings, and I said, uh, wow. and I posted, and I mentioned a, a po- you know, there's a page called For the Love of Old old Houses, right, and I said just watching for the love of old house, not p- promoting me, not promoting anything else. I just was talking. And there was like, by the time I, just on the drive home, it was, you know, was 70 people, you know, 69 That's people. Amazing. Yeah. I called them up and I said, I, I said, you know how many people watched our little video or, since I got, uh, since we made it? And, he goes. And I said sixty-nine. Said, He's like, "What? You're kidding me!" He says, 69 people watch it." <laughs> I
4: think of like one or two, right? Or yeah, yeah or zero, exactly. You know, but and it, so, I, anyway, I, I think it's. It,
3: this is my opinion about people do, and this is what people people try to oftentimes say. How do I get the experience to make make something? And this is one of my uh, one right. of my topics I like to talk about. But I believe everybody's different. Okay, whatever really you know, everybody has a unique life experiences. There's not a single person on this earth that has exactly the same life experiences.
4: Right. Whether it's exactly. education,
3: whether it's going to a, a football camp or you know or whatever. Everybody is unique. And those yeah. finding the only why did why did I come up with like this with Sub-Zero? It's because I had some mechanical background, I used to be an aircraft mechanic on F-16s. I have a degree in chemistry. I took a year of industrial design, which is product design. I um, um, And I and I went and bought a food franchise. Now, a chemist wouldn't be thinking about, how am I going to make a liquid nitrogen ice cream company? Of because course. they're not worried about food. But now you right. take a chemist that has a food background and you email them, they go, oh, well, why don't I do this? Exactly. So those, you, so how many chemists do you know that go into food? Nobody, <laughs> right? Of you course. know, so it's 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 a uh, so that's so those unique experiences is what make you know people say, well, how do I come up
4: with a good product? Well, you
3: you take your experiences.
4: Exactly. Yeah, I I, I love the story. It's just it you know there's a lot of different lessons in there. Um, You know, there's another group I I work with uh, called the Collegiate Entrepreneurs, and, um, you know, these are are questions that a lot of, like, young, um, aspiring uh, entrepreneurs ask, you know, that exact question, how do I come up with a great product, you know, and and, and I think you just answered that question, you know, taking all of your different experiences, because everybody is unique, as you were saying, you know, because of our different experiences, and you know, it, it's that's how Sub Zero came about. You know, so I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. In, in, in talking about the, the franchise, Jerry, I mean, as far as the training goes, it seems like it would be a pretty uh, simple training process. But how does that work? I mean, do they come to headquarters? You know, once your new franchisees, is that how it works?
3: Yeah, yeah it is. It's uh, so we just um, well, there's two parts. We we have them come out, work in the store. We go over some, you know, the we're trying to beef up our, our business training. what's um, mm-hmm. one, one thing I think we've been weak on in the past. We've kind of expected some people have general business, you know, knowledge how to do QuickBooks, things like that. And now we're, we're trying to focus more on that. Um, but, the, uh, um, but, yeah, we have, um, so we have some basic training that we go through, you know, construction training. We have somebody that works with them on build-out throughout that process. And then we go out once they're ready to open. Then we go out and spend three to five days um, um, in their store, and then just slowly pull back and just observe. When we feel like they're com- they're confident, they can they can operate the store. and Then we walk away, and then we then we then we follow up on a regular basis on top of that. So it's it's a it's you got to train people, but you got to give them the confidence. The only way you can't do that right. for them. You have to you have to slowly like. All right, now you're standing on your own two feet. I'm here if you right. got a question. You know, but um got to do yeah. got to do it yourself. Um that's fantastic. And it's, you know, and and there there's varying levels of success. There's there um and a lot of it has to do with location. And there's nothing you can you know, there's nothing you can um do without a great location. I mean, that's absolutely the first thing that you you have to rely on is is great location. Um, Yeah,
4: particularly for this type of business, you know, is, of course, great location.
3: Um, Ice cream, I
4: used to think people would come to you.
3: What I found Mm -hmm. is that um, ice cream is a very uh, impulsive buy, much more than I ever expected. And so yeah, it's, uh, you've got to be in the spot where people are at. We have three stores in Provo. Three, Provo's got 100,000 people in it. So we, the reason we have – and I thought about closing down one of the stores, but what I realized is that when we just built the, the next store, and they're literally a mile apart. And um, But what I've determined is they're different markets. People are walking right, down one true. street. You know, in downtown, are different than the people that are over by the campus, right? You know, and and determining those different markets is is difficult. Um, but anyway, that's the
4: that's the, that's yeah. the
3: key is you
4: got to be where people are at, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a great lesson. <clears throat> I, I think on the importance of of location. You know, we've had some shows over the past, you know, of just talking specifically on location, you know, so I, I think that's great. Where do you see sub zero road? Um, Jerry.
3: Where do I see it going?
4: Yeah, um, I mean if you need to look into a crystal ball, you know, where would you like the company three to five years down the road? Um
3: I I would love to see it five hundred stores. You know, I think it has I don't I don't wanna say that I want to match like Coldstone. Because that's, right. you know with you know twelve to fifteen hundred stores or even baskin Robins. Baskin Robins would give them some credit, you know they took them sixty years to get there um you know sure. to their five thousand stores and and right. um and it's impressive, but you know that's that's uh more importantly um, you know I, I think we could i think we could easily do five hundred stores in the next you know sure. uh, say five years um but they the where i want to where I want to be is is a little bit different than most ice cream shops, and what I mean mm-hmm. by that is that um I still believe that that's, that the companies today and this is today they need to have a purpose okay they greater right. than their product so mm-hmm. i've I've often um and some people say, well you know I'm going to give an extra pair of shoes to somebody in the and that's great you know, I'm not trying right. to degrade that. Right, but our right, purpose is uh, is to use ice cream to try and encourage um, some type of experience where some kid might want to take a chemistry class. And oh, that's wow. very simple. It's very simple. It's nothing elaborate or grand. It, right. Uh, but it's to use this, what we've made here to say is, uh, you know, you can only go to the Exploratorium in San Francisco when you're in San Francisco,
2: but
3: mm-hmm. you can go to us and have a little bit of wonderment any time of the week. And so, if we can encourage kids or families to at least be interest, interested in something, and you know, I wonder, you know, right. I, I just wonder. And and that's really that's really my goal. My goal is to is to create that. Um, just uh, uh a spark. it almost sounds like a
4: yeah cr- right yeah i i mean i i think it does that you know i can see my son becoming very fascinated it, it it creates a a spark you know it's a catalyst for wanting to you know really learn more you know um about chemistry yeah, because, I, I you know that's-
3: i had a kid come up you know the first couple of years and he said and he said, you know, I never thought about taking a chemistry class. Not even didn't even dawn on me. He says, I've decided after coming to your shop that I'm going to take a chemistry class. Because and it's I'm, cool.
4: You know what I mean? It's it's not like, you know, sometimes you think of chemistry, you say, oh, God, you know, it's it's a tough course that you take in, well, in what is it, junior high or, you know. When I was but a kid, we
3: had the chemistry sets. Everybody had chemistry sets. Right,
4: you of know, course. You know, if you remember
3: that. When you were young, of you course. didn't have those yeah. anymore of all the liability oh, and the know. problems with like the regulations, so That's you can't. True. So, so we've lost that, um, for a better term, you know. We've bought, we've lost that that excitement out of. Yeah. Because now, now we. Um, anyway, you get you get my. So this is kind of the what I look at as the, you know, the replacement for the excitement that you got with the chemistry set. I took chemistry because my parents bought me a chemistry set when I was five years old. I didn't, exactly. I didn't really play with it. I wanted to learn more about it, so I took a chemistry class, and then I ended up majoring in it. So it was... Wow. Um, but you know what I also one I think I look back and I think is unique, I did. I don't know that I... I didn't have the confidence to go on and be a world-class chemist, um, Right. but I remember... Um, my chemistry teacher in high school. And I went and asked her, I said, do you think I can hack this? Because this is a hard class, isn't it? And she says, you know, I wouldn't take this class. You're not going to hack. You can't hack it. Right. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're, you're calling me an idiot? And so I was like, right, right. i right. you know, exactly. bound and determined to to take her class, which I did. And then I finally, not, I, I and then I eventually graduated um, with it. But along with that, I, I drug three of my other friends all the way through to graduation, and they actually went on and got PhDs. But they, um, wow. so they, you know, the the. Uh, now I've never seen that teacher since, um, and she has no idea that her challenge made that impact. But wow, you know, sometimes you just got to be challenged. Of course, say, um, you know, you you can't do it. You, you might as well quit. It. Right,
4: right. right. That's fantastic. I think I think it's a great story. What's the best way for our listeners, Jerry, to get more information? Uh, you know, on the product and, and, of course, the franchise specifically. Any websites that um, uh, you'd like them to go to?
3: Um, there's there's our website SubZeroIceCream.com. com. Okay. And then franchise chatter has some articles. There's the ink anyway. That if you go to our Facebook page too. Um, okay. Facebook slash SubZeroIceCream.com dot com or SubZeroIceCream Ice Cream has uh, has a bunch of articles too, and I I'd, I I'd, I'd, you know probably read a lot of the articles, especially some of the franchisees' experiences as they've uh, written about it in the in the press. Of course, um, right.
4: And get their their take. That's fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on the show again, Jerry. I, I could talk to you for another hour about this topic. You know, I think it, it's fantastic and, and again I love your product and uh, you know it was, it was just an honor for me to uh, get the chance to finally speak with you
3: today well thanks for having me and I, have re- I really love these events so I really
4: appreciate you having me on uh, it's been my pleasure Jerry and we'll be right back with more franchise interviews
1: the stone coat franchise opportunity are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity if so Take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com, or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Franchise Interviews. From Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.
4: Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, where each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews now over eight years and over 400 shows, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. Today, you're going to get to hear from Chris Simic, who is the founder of FranchiseTeacher.com, and Chris has over 30 years of business and franchise experience as an independent business owner, a franchisee, and a franchisor, and Chris said something very profound that we haven't heard on our show in over eight years. He mentioned that you have to almost work harder to fail at franchising than to succeed in franchising.
5: And he explains why. Most people, about 90% I think I've seen, buy a business other than they first looked at. Wow, that's amazing. So that's interesting, isn't it? Business. I mean, that's, that's a big number, too, isn't
4: it, Chris? You know, that, you know, most people, they go in with these certain expectations and they come out with, with, with something different,
5: you know? And, and I find that fascinating. I absolutely, it, it never ceases to astound me, but I think that speaks to the. To the, uh, the value of franchising as a as a business model and a business method, because right people don't have to uh, be in something just because they know it. And quite candidly, sometimes getting involved in a business that you would rather do that you were not involved in allows you the the luxury of taking uh, a new career path and to develop something you never would have had the opportunity to had it not been you know systematized and prioritized for you. You know, in franchising, it's said that you have to really almost work harder to fail than to succeed because if you have a good franchise system to follow directions, you have to almost purposely not follow them to not do well. That's true. That's fantastic. We have this this great quote in
4: franchising. I I think we're going to put that one in there, Chris. I I think that's very original and and it's it's very true. What advice would you give to our listeners? You know, we find that most of them, they're just beginning their search to buy a franchise, Chris, and we find that, you know, most of them just simply, they, they don't even know where to begin, like you were saying. What advice would you give to them?
5: I, I do, um, when I speak to, to people looking at franchises, I, I, I give them three different pieces of advice. One, make sure you're looking for a business for the right reason. Now, mm-hmm. A lot of people have things happen in their life. They lose a job or something happens, and they react and, and maybe say, okay, maybe I'll go buy a business. That may not be the, the reason to do it versus having the luxury selectivity that here's my opportunity that was yeah. created by some adversity. Second thing is that they have to make sure that they are – able to be franchisees uh, that not everybody is designed to be able to to follow the systems procedures and and, and, the, and the processes it takes to be a successful franchise owner and then I tell them quite candidly is pick a couple of the industries and the price ranges uh, that, that may have interest you to you and then kind of pin down from there, either using the resources of a, uh, a consultant or a, bro- or a broker or a team member or, or on their own, either way. But I think that if they, if they take their time, follow the steps, and do it for the right reasons, uh, they'll be on a much smoother pathway uh, to, to success in owning their own business. That's well said.
4: What's what's in the future then for a franchise teacher, Chris? I mean, where do you see the company three to five years down the road?
5: Well, Marty, we've been uh, extremely fortunate, blessed that the the business has 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 been around, you know, through Century Franchise Group for many years, and our new franchise teacher dot com. Has taken off. We're representing right now, uh, you know, seven uh, plus brands. I think in five years, our, our focus will really be even more fine tuned, as the as the consumer or the prospective uh, business owner is looking for more and more specific information. Breaking down to teach, coach, consult, and advise, I Aww. think will be um, will be a way for us to assist people in what they need. You know, people again don't know what they don't know, but right. I think the information overload. Uh, sometimes discourages people too early. They say I, this is too much for me to process. Mm. But we can break it That's down true. into bite-sized pieces. I think more and more people, especially the younger generation, who are looking for the advice and the information they want when they want it, I think is you know going to do nothing more than uh, continue. Then our next business venture, which launches at the end of this year, uh, will is looking to capture all the different franchise brands around the world and put them into one place. So it's, it's, we're, we're, we're looking forward to a future. And franchising is going nowhere but growing, you know, as you've right. on a long time, too, the number of franchise opportunities. And the world's getting to be a smaller place. I think you're going to find a yeah. lot of opportunities coming in and going out of, of different marketplaces and different countries uh, accessible to more people.
4: That's fantastic. What's the best way, Chris, for our listeners to get <clears throat> more information on franchiseteacher.com? Obviously, franchiseteacher.com,
5: but any numbers you'd like them to call or email addresses? Well, actually, we appreciate uh You know, www.franchiseteacher.com. And okay. my, my business partner, Dave, and I offer them the free one hour consultation. Fill out the form oh, and you, take Dave. advantage of it.
4: That's fantastic. I want to thank you again, Chris, for. I, you know, finally coming on the show, you know, it, it's, I've been following your career for a long time now, you know, and I have just been very impressed with, with, with everything that you've done, you know. So when I, when I saw this, I, I mentioned to you, we don't typically um, call people to come on the show, you know, but but I had to have you specifically on the show. So it was an honor and a privilege to have you
5: on the show today. Marty Ditto, and again, congratulations on your um, uh, PhD doctor. I have read your thesis, and I would recommend it reading if people can get oh, through it fantastic. I really appreciate that you read it, too, because that's an honor coming from you. So that's fantastic.
4: Well, I want to thank you again, Chris. Thank you. We'll be right back with more Franchise Interviews.